Oh, no music behind it today. And it was a short one, too. It was like three seconds. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast presented by Drop. Wow, the energy is so weird with that music. It's really rough. Um, Fortunately, people on podcasts are going to be hearing the music. Um, (laughs) Fellas, officially the offseason. I know we had that one show last week that was kind of offseason. Officially the offseason here. And I got to say, I'm ready for it. I'm actually very excited for it. Um, let me introduce the panel first. I've got uh, Eric, who's you, you screwed yourself, Eric. I can no longer look at you without noticing the gap between your mustache. I will. You have to grow it out immediately because I can't stop noticing it. Well, uh, I can't grow it out immediately. That took that's like old growth forest. It took a, quite a bit of time to grow in, and then with one fail swoop, I cut down all of that. Um, it's sad. Listen, uh, but again, you can imagine what I would look like with just a mustache, which yeah. is kind of delightful, right? Like I look like a like a like a California highway patrolman. Just- you would look way older <laughs> if you had that. You definitely would take on a fully different look if you had that mustache. Um, well, a guy I'll who would it, also yeah. look a lot older with any facial hair whatsoever is Brennan Vogt. <laughs> oh, man. I'm I'm not I haven't gone through puberty yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Just still what? waiting. D-Line, I was going to advocate for you to go only mustache. Have you ever been a mustache guy? No, the problem is is that uh, the bottom of my uh, face has like filled out in a way that it would be um, not flattering. Mm. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, and then up here at the top right corner, frozen once but not frozen again. It's Harrison Wind. The only thing that might be worse than the Wi-Fi at my new house is the Wi-Fi at this office, right? Now. <laughs> you hate to see it, uh, man. We're a full, full off season. I think we're already. good, though. I think we're good. Well, Bro, we I just it, if anybody can hear, like I'm hoping this happens throughout the show. There is a gym directly underneath my feet. Oh hell and yeah! And they are either like doing primally based lifting, or there's some sort of like tantric. So there's a lot of screaming happening, so I'm hoping Tantric. people at home can hear. Yeah. My head is too big for a hat. The comment section's already off to a great start, a roaring start. <laughs> uh, I'm going to lean backwards so that it doesn't, you can see the regular size of my head. Very regular. Uh, Find a new slant. Find a new slant. It's a regular. Head. Uh, guys, we're going to kick off a brand new uh, end of season. I mean, we do this pretty much every year, but an end of season review of the players and um, kind of talk about what things stood out. And I had a blast doing this. I got to say, I went up to the mountains, went up to Breckenridge for two days, you know, with the family, got a little un- unplugged a little bit, got up there. I can't believe all I get turns out. It's all I needed two days. Now I'm back and excited to talk basketball. What? I'm all rejuvenated. I know it was crazy. You're ready you to play 82 games again. Hey, next I'm year, ready. can you do that? Can, next year, can you do that nah. during the season at some point? I should probably do that. during the season. <laughs> Have you ever seen like, I saw this, there's this one guy you would recognize. Him. He's like a Marine who now gives like life advice. I can't even remember what his name is. Kind of a oh, David, Goggins. Uh, David Goggins. Goggins yeah. No, I love David Randy Goggins. That guy's, oh, that guy's crazy. There's another one though. And he, uh, that's like him, but he talks about how it's good to take like six minute naps or something. And I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, that's how I felt with this weekend, a little two day vacation. And I'm fully recharged. It's unbelievable. <laughs> six minute naps. Dude, I can't I can't wait until these like life hack fads just read the whole logical. You shouldn't breathe. Hold your yeah. breath 24 hours. Water, away. yeah, water is actually worse for you than you That's imagine. Right. <laughs> Gasoline. Something about like if you elevate your feet, you only need like six to eight minutes and it feels like eight hours or something. I don't know. I never will try it, but I'll I'll, 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 I'll I bet that's true. That sounds true. <laughs> 
<laughs> checks out. Um, but I want to get into some of this Jokic stuff. So uh, we're gonna. I want to dive right in because I have a feeling we might even run long. That's how much I could talk about Nikola Jokic. Um, it's incredible. Uh, and I'm gonna lead you guys here. I've done some statistical research, uh, going over some cer- certain key points. Vorp. <laughs> some vorp. You guys won't believe the vorp I found. Um, he. Uh, I gotta say this. This is a funny thing to say out loud. When I went and started looking at some of the numbers, I walked away thinking about Jokic, thinking like he might have even had a better season than I thought. Like some of the stuff I get into is even more encouraging than what my eyeball showed me when you watch it. And, and I want to get into those. I'm going to start here. 27.1 points per game. This, I mean, obviously we know this. Is his highest he surpassed last year's uh, you know point total. And by the way, he did it on fewer minutes. That's... 0.7 more points per game than last year. So rounding up, you know, a, po- a whole point more than last year, which was a huge leap. But it's actually 1.6 points more per 36 minutes. Meaning, you know, if you just like, assuming next year his minutes go up or whatever, you could expect even more points at this same rate. And then plus two per 100 possessions. I don't think people realize when they just look at the numbers and how his numbers went up this year, I don't think people realize it happened on fewer minutes. That was the first thing that, that I mean, this isn't exactly a deep dive, but this is the first thing I noticed when I'm looking at some of these numbers here. Well, it happened in fewer minutes. It happened in fewer shots per game as well. He had like a more efficient season than last year, except for the three-point shooting. Like that that kind of killed his efficiency. But killed it. It, it absolutely killed it. Like it, it demolished it. Um, but the craziest part about him averaging – more points than he did last year and going from 26 to 27 per game is that he did it being like the only all-star level player. Like at some points in the season, he was the only above average offensive player on the Nuggets roster. And he got double and triple teamed every single night. And like the goal that most opponents had over the second half of the season, especially was to just get the ball out of his hands and make Denver's role players beat him. The fact that he raised his points per game when the talent around him dropped so significantly is just ridiculous. A season-long balance and dance of you are our only hope, and yet we're also hopeless in the postseason if we lean on you to the point of absolute exhaustion. See second round last season, right? So big talking point was when does Malone bring Jokic in the fourth quarters? But Malone also had to try to avoid running him into the ground before a high-leverage game started. Just kind of remarkable that this Jokic season wasn't you know, it's not a stat inflation thing. It wasn't what happens if you just play 40 minutes and all we do is try to get you your numbers. It's just what happens if all we do, all we do is play yeah. through you. Yeah. And his yeah. level raised, but the efficiency didn't dip. In fact, he kind no, of it raised. It, it raised. And and it, that's the part of this. Re- Usually when you scale up like this, you see some sort of give and take. Uh, and all he did was give. Yeah, like this Jokic's season was really the only redeeming thing that happened this season. We knew, Bones. like, we talked about it being pur- Bones. You're right. You're right. But it, uh, purgatory season, like, we knew that we were in trouble the entire time without the uh, the reserves coming back, the cavalry arriving. Never did. Um, but all the same, cavalry like, never back, arrived. <laughs> cavalry never arrived. The cavalry was fifty fifty. Uh, it went. The cavalry was 50. ramping up for months. <laughs> the, the cavalry flipped yeah. tails, and it was over. Um, and so, but the point is, is that like, I'm going to look back 
fondly on this season because of the majesty that was Nikola Jokic. Like what I saw this guy accomplish, like what I saw him do on a basketball court and um, to, you know, and I think it's, it's okay to say at this point, like we know that he's going to be win his second MVP award. Like when, like you guys are saying, the entire world was keyed in on him in such dramatic fashion is just, it's hard to like really wrap your head around like what he just did. And like, not only that, like this guy is, he just doesn't miss games. He just never misses any games unless well, he unless he gets suspended for beating up one of the Morris twins, which I think we would all agree was a little bit more of a public service than anything. But like, you just look at he, he I don't did know. get hurt this year, which I think is going to come up later later in the podcast talking about where he dropped off a little. But, but <laughs> I, I, I get your point. I love that you have that as his four games missed for a rolled ankle or whatever it was, or was it a wrist? I don't no, know. No, no, no. That, that's not it. That's not it. But okay. I'll, right. I'll, I'll get, I'll get right. to it. Okay. But it's wild. Like this, I mean, th- th- what a gift, man. Like yeah. the, the, this is the thing where you have to, you know, after a season like this, you really have to look at like what the point of it was. Like, you know, the, we knew that the outcome was not going to be in alliance with rings culture, but just, you know, like getting to watch him play 82 games or however many he played this year. is just like, I don't know, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, here's the, so this gets me to one of the main questions I want to ask, which is his minutes did go down this year. Um, you know, Jokic's did. And I think when we looked at his year, we thought about, you know, should Michael of Malone brought him in earlier at times? And I think the answer is yes. But if we step back and think about the season of purgatory, what needed to be accomplished for you to feel good about it? And did those things happen? The best case scenario, I think realistic for the Nuggets this year is that they somehow climbed up high enough to play the Utah Jazz. That was like the best case scenario. And they could have beat them and then gotten lost in the second round to Phoenix or Golden State or what have you. I didn't need to see that in hindsight. Like now that I'm like emotionally removed from it, you know, a week or whatever, I'm like, I feel like I learned what I needed to about this Nuggets team. And the fact that they lost in the first round in five games or whatever, at this point, I can look at it and go, yo, gets five months off. Yeah. Perfect. Like, would it have been cool if they beat the Jazz? It's always fun to beat the Jazz. Like, I would have loved to have beat the Jazz. That would have given us an extra week of entertainment. But from a narrative standpoint, from a what did you learn, I'm like, I I don't really care. And so you look at that and go, should he have played two more minutes per game? Maybe, maybe not. He didn't get hurt. He didn't get too exhausted. He's able to play great all the way down the stretch, and the end result was more or less the same. So, um, so anyway, that's my perspective on the minutes per per game sort of thing. But let's talk about the efficiency because here's where it's crazy. He increased with a higher workload, with more eyeballs on him. He increased his effective field goal percentage from 0.60 or 60%, 60.2 to 62%. That's a career high. And even best, his extremely low usage sophomore season, which was to this date like an outlier of efficiency for him, in large part because one, in my opinion, nobody knew who he was yet. So teams weren't scouting like his game. And two, he had Jameer Nelson, a great point guard at the time where it was like, hey, there's eyeballs on Gallo, eyeballs on Wilson Chandler, eyeballs on other people, and he was getting a lot of easy buckets. So to take that lower usage, lower impact, lower volume year, and then increase it by 2%, and oh, by the way, it's up quite a bit over his career average is wild. And here's some numbers for you, Harrison. Players with 25 points per game and 62% effective field goal percentage in NBA history, Steph Curry in 2015, Jokic in 2022. That's how much of an outlier the volume plus efficiency was for Jokic. There's nobody that's even really close to what he did other than Steph Curry. Yeah. um, What stood out when you're talking about his efficiency is just like he would get the ball on the block this season 
and it was just a bucket. Like it was, it, it was just a bucket. And I, I just go back to like thinking about how we talked about Jokic three years ago. It's like, well, does he want to score this night? Does he not want to score this night? Does he want to pass? Is he going to take the shots that he needs to? And like that is such like a not an argument anymore because he's just totally past that and he just knows what he needs to score the ball. Um, I agree. And when, yes, when there's three players on him, he'll pass it because he needs to. But just around the rim this year, um, he shot 72%. Um, it was better than he did last year. The mid-range, his numbers were up across the board. Three-point shooting was, was the only place he dropped off. Um, he's just automatic, man. Like, I, I'm so, um, like, spoiled by watching him just operate around the paint. And we always talk about this when, you know, watching him operate at double teams and throw these cross-court passes. And they're just plays that no other center can come close to making. And so, like, we're so jealous about how easy he passed out of double teams. But – yeah around the rim also just like hit the ease at which he makes shots from five feet from 10 feet the floaters the little finger rolls like he just does stuff at a level that no other center does in the paint and it's um no other place once does. in a lifetime well yeah. you're, you're getting ahead because this is i'm going to get to that in just a second the the two point because this that's the stats so that when i was going through everything it was one the most encouraging but also the most mind-blowing but eric Effective field goal percentage, again, it like weighs three-pointers versus two-pointers. So like Steph Curry doesn't have the best field goal percentage, but it's because he takes so many threes, he has a very high effective field goal percentage. Jokic, if you lined up the top 60 scores in the NBA, Jokic has a better effective field goal percentage than all of them. Yeah. All of them. He's a volume scorer. So just for reference here, Anthony Simons, Terry Rozier, Norman Powell, these what? are guys that are in the top 60 of – scoring per game point per game scoring Jokic is like seventh or something like that or maybe it was 10th he, he ended the season with but it was really high 27 points per game we're talking about guys that average 17 points per game and up of all those guys Jokic was more efficient than every single one of them yeah I mean that's I, I tweeted this the other night like watching other teams play basketball and you watch other players approach the area that's five to ten feet in front of the rim and like take floaters take all kinds of shots and you're like What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> That's supposed to go in every single time. What, what's the story here? Like, I, it's like it, it's ruined me for watching basketball. Like, my expectations are if a ball is let go of in an area that is near the rim, that thing is going through right. and not touching any part of the rim. Or if he, if it does somehow get missed in a, like the most confusing fashion, it just gets tapped right back in. Like, I mean, this guy, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm left with the vision of Jokic um, down the stretch in that last game, just, like, continually charging the lane and just, like, running down. and these, On like, one leg. On one leg. They, they weren't just, like, you know, set, like, just easy, you know, centery type shots where you just kind of do a little easy push shot and you're taller than the guy in front of you. Like, he was going in at full speed with – like absolute precision uh regardless of the fact of how quickly he was traveling forward like he's just unreal man like his his feel for the basketball and his ability to just as we always say and as he has said being able to put it exactly where he wants when exactly when he wants is something that i just don't think that people can take for granted or like look beyond it's just like this is something that we've not seen before it's in it, every like the, the further along it goes it makes less and less sense to me but Bo, think- the thing is the thing about i want to i'm going to give you a new stat to kind of react to but the thing is is he's always been great it's just that this year he went up even more 
and here's the here's the thing. The guy that finally beats him, the 62nd top scorer in the NBA is DeAndre Ayton, who has a better effective field goal percentage. The difference, 20% more of Ayton's attempts, and by the way, he takes half the attempts Jokic does, but 20% more are assisted. Like, Ayton's a finisher. This is the thing. Right. You have to go back to, like, guys taking the volume. There really is nobody taking fewer self-created shots and shooting it at that volume in history. It's insane, and you almost wonder if it was to the point where, at least for the group we just saw, do we walk away thinking, could he have pushed it even more? Does that ratio of scoring to efficiency tell you, man, he could have been an even higher volume scorer? I am not bemoaning his approach to this season. Just sort of thinking out loud of the way he's rapidly ascended to Tier 1A of volume scorers, elite scorers in the league. He's as efficient as any of them. Uh, and then, look, I, like that floater that he got, I think when you factor in how, how efficient he was with the shot, and then also just Jokic on that spot of the floor, like on the short roll, just all the things the defense has to think about. He could pass it anywhere on the floor. And if he puts that shot up, it's going in. I just don't know. Is it the most advantageous offensive spot in basketball right now it's right because there. yeah because everyone's protecting the rim the and rim, he's like yeah. i don't care i'm gonna shoot from five feet which <laughs> right. is like for so, me a five footer is like everyone else's two footer it doesn't create maybe the same sense of panic and urgency as trying to guard that three-headed monster in golden state along the perimeter maybe right with the panic steph can create but to, is Jokic putting as much pressure on defenses as anyone and yeah. i think yes. the answer right now is, is yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, we we love the debate. Like, who is the best scorer in the NBA? If you, if you just I, I need a bucket, debate. if you just need a bucket, Adam, <laughs> right. you need a bucket. Who is going to get you a bucket? For me, this is Nikola Jokic. Like, I, I would take him <laughs> ten times out of ten. Kevin Durant, that's who most people's answer is. He's going right. to settle for a twenty footer. Like, he give also, me the guy yeah. who's going to get into the paint and get me a look there. Who did it on a way higher efficiency this season? Yeah, um, the we watched Kevin Durant be presented with those exact that right. exact scenario and fail over and over and over in these playoffs. So yeah, we saw um, Kevin Durant with definitely a better supporting cast than Nikola Jokic <laughs> in the playoffs shoot like forty percent from the field. We just saw that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. You asked a really interesting question, vote about. He shot so efficiently, it makes you wonder, can he dial it up even more? Like, is it worth 1% less on the EFG, but four points more? Here's my opinion. Maybe. We might find this out, by the way, in the coming years. Like, I don't rule it out. We're going to get to that shortly. But here's the thing. I think Jokic's brain is an algorithm. Like, that just so perfectly takes in all information at all times and filters it almost subconsciously, like I don't think he's sitting there thinking about these things, but just subconsciously understands when to shoot, when to pass, when to press, when not to. And maybe it's not 100%, but it's like 99%. So here's the thing. That's a fun philosophical question and just one to wonder. But I kind of just feel like he knows better than we possibly could. 100%. 100%. And, and I feel like the lines intersect at almost exactly where he's at and that any more aggressive from him would probably be less productive for the team. Can you, can you guys hear this? 
Yeah, what's going no, on? No, the workout, no. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the real thing is just, yeah, it's not even really changing up that ratio. It's just when he passes, can it beat a more effective finishers? And that's, yeah. you know, uncontrollable. If we go to true shooting, I want to get through the shooting, the scoring stuff before we take a break. But if we go to true shooting, so the difference between effective field goal percentage, that measures your shots, two-pointers or three-pointers. True shooting then factors in free throw attempts. So it also, basically the difference is, True shooting accounts for how well you get to the line. One of the things, Jokic, you do the true shooting thing, same thing. In 25 points per game, 0.66 true shooting percentage. It's Jokic, Curry, and then you get prime Barkley, Charles Barkley in there. He's the one guy that gets added into this elite efficiency and volume crossover. But here's why it's important. Jokic increased his free throw attempts per game by almost a full attempt per game. I know that sounds like a small amount, but I don't think it is, especially when you break it down month by month. At the end of the season, he was getting a lot, generating a lot more. He actually averaged 1.1 more free throw attempts per 36 minutes, uh, and he had the 12th highest free throw attempt rate in the NBA uh, amongst volume scores, amongst guys that, that play like 20 minutes or more. So it was a sneaky thing that happened this year, Win, but he actually got better at getting to the line. Yeah, I think it's just about him adapting his game. Um, like, Eric, you got to toggle the mute or something. Like, you got you got to play with the mute a little bit. <laughs> I um, want everyone to hear this. I, I like I I if I could make this louder, I would. You don't understand. <laughs> this is my work day. Like, this is what I do during the day. So deal with it, I guess. All right, yeah. fine, I'll be back. I think it was just about him adapting his game and continuing to grow his game. I also think he did get more respect from officials as the season went on. Like, I think that was a, actually a real thing that happened. Yep. Um, I think he was figured a, something out, though, too. I think he learned a little bit more about how to draw fouls. Well, yeah, that's what I mean by adapting his game and just kind of playing yeah. into that a little bit. Because, you know, you know when Jokic sometimes will come down and, um, like, he'll get a pick and pop at the top of the key and get his guy in the air, and, like, he could – go into that guy and draw a foul, but he doesn't a lot because I actually just think he doesn't want to disrespect the game that way. And like, he doesn't want to just get that cheap foul. Um, but I think he seeked out some cheaper fouls this season. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, 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 do you have something to say? Yeah. Just quickly in between grunts, if I may, um, the thing is, is like, even though he is getting more, the reason it doesn't seem like it because it's still woefully too few, like, Nikola Jokic just gets mugged and murdered every time. It's so frustrating to watch. I'm glad that it's like he's getting a little bit more of a bump. And I agree with you, Win. Like a lot of it is the style in which he plays. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like charge the rim that often. So the contact is generally like his arms going straight up and they, them getting hit in the in midair as opposed to him having like more violent body to body contact, which generally is what gets you foul calls in the NBA uh, that James Harden and uh, Joel Embiid are, are very aware of. And um, I mean, I love that Jokic doesn't like just, as you say, he like doesn't disrespect the game by just going for those cheap foul calls. But I really think that's why he doesn't like, I agree. I, with I, you. Really think I, so. agree. I, I think that he has like something called integrity. Like he's like, doesn't yeah. want to be looked at as like a, a foul merchant. That's just I don't know. Yo, yo, yo milks fouls off ball. He does the arm wrap. Like he, he's not above. Yeah. But like not, not to the extent, not to the I, extent. I, don't think I mean, that. I think what, what I think it is, Eric is finesse. It's very hard to draw contact and finesse. Like you usually are trying to a shooter. contact. 
What's that? Yeah. Well, unless, yeah, unless you're a shooter, in which out, case yeah. there's well, no the dumb, the dumb freaking rules of the perimeter allow for that. Like, it's you can't do a, a, a floater and stick a leg to the side and be like, my leg, he ran into my leg on so my insane. three foot floater. You just can't do that. You can do that if you're Dame Lillard from 35 feet, but the game's called differently inside and out. I so I don't know. I love the integrity argument. I want to buy it. I just think it probably has more to do with like the nature of how you get points when you play like Yoke versus somebody that's like trying to go through contact to yeah. dunk it on you all the time draws contact easier. Yeah, he might be wary of playing to a whistle that he hasn't gotten historically across his yeah. career. So it might be like an inefficient approach, you know? Well, I'm late here. So let's hit our first break. On the other side, the single most encouraging stat that I found, and I'm telling you, I'm when I saw it, I was like, Yoke's going to win a third MVP next year. I can't wait. Glad we'll do that after the break. Glad you're coming around to the take. Um, guys, Ivaca TV, if you haven't been able to watch uh, Avalanche games this season, if you were not able to watch Nuggets or Rapids games, check out Ivaca TV. they got Altitude Sports. You can watch the Rapids, the Mammoth, too. You also can access coverage of the Rams and the DU Pios. Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. Use the promo code DNVR. You're going to get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month for the first three months, plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. Ivaca dot tv slash dnvr use the code dnvr you're gonna get ten dollars off your first three months uh, also at lightshade dispensary right now you guys want to pick up some wana if you want to pick up some wana <laughs> here's the deal we got going on for you wow uh, you can go to any of colorado's premier dispensary lightshade locations they've got 11 of them in the Denver Metro and Aurora areas, they've got the Barnum location now open one block off 6th Ave and Federal. What Wana is, is if you need to catch up on some shut-eye after the big game, it can help you out with that. Uh, no matter game. when you take Wana, this well-rounded recipe will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. Over-the-counter pharmaceuticals, they knock you out with powerful drugs that leave you in a fog. But Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies offer a holistic plant-based solution that tackles the root cause of sleepiness like stress and pain. So again, you can find Wana at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade. Podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with the code DNVR. Again, guys, use the code DNVR, get 25% off non-sale items. Shop online at lightshade.com or pick up at a location near you. The people want to know, Harrison, the, the hair, it's still MIA. Are you, are you going to do this to the He people? lost all of it. He lost it. Really? Oh, no. Rough it goes away after so the season. So after the season. Blue, blew oh. away. All right. Are you guys ready for the stat that, I, to me, just like really blew my mind? Talk to me, Maros. Oh, baby. Give it to us. <laughs> On two-point field goal per, uh, attempts, Jokic raised his percentage um, – 5% over last season and 6% over his career average. His career high now at 77 points. Or I'm sorry. So that was 5% just from two. He raised it over last season, which was already great. But here's the crazy one. He shot 77.6% from zero to three feet. That's an increase of 2.3% on, on, of the efficiency, but on significantly higher volume. And here's why this is important to think about. The Nuggets had much worse spacing this year. The Nuggets had much fewer guys for the opponents to key in on and, and to focus in on. And yet, and also, by the way, I've seen this reported incorrectly. I've, a lot of people are saying he had the most dunks ever. He actually didn't. He had fewer dunks than he had last year. And yet his efficiency in the restricted area went up. In my opinion, what this says, not by a little bit, 5% is an enormous amount. 
if you increase your percentage by 5% at the rim in a season when you have way more attention, way more double teams, and also, by the way, less spacing, to me, and also, here's the other crazy thing, every single year of Jokic's uh, career, every single season, his percentage at the rim has increased. This tells me, and it matches the eye test, Yoke has figured out how to dominate at the rim a little bit more each year. And now you talk about, oh, we're going to put Michael Porter in one corner. We're going to put Jamal Murray at the top of the key running pick and roll and this or that. And by the way, now we have this Jokic that has solved how to score at the, get to the rim at a higher volume and score at the rim at a higher efficiency. To me, I look at that and it's not just the one year change. It's the every year getting better at the rim and at higher volume that I look at and I go, my God. He has learned how to be impossible to keep away from the basket. Yeah, well, I think that also correlates with him getting stronger and more athletic every season, too. Like, he's <laughs> he just moves people out of the way at a rate now that he didn't three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, he just carves out space like only a couple other centers do. Um, so I think I think those two things definitely have something to do with it. And this is part of what Draymond's talking about. That's a tough, he's far, far from tough. Part of me thinks like Draymond is so strong, his lower center of gravity. Part of me thinks that he's just like, yo, you guys don't realize that this is like a rhinoceros. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think it's the most underrated part of Yoke. Yoke is so skill and finesse forward, and that's how he's discussed and viewed with quite good reason. And, and particularly because he's juxtaposed with the non-defined undefined dominance dominance right of Joel Embiid and that type of stuff that we fail to think about Jokic as a redwood tree which is exactly what he is right. uh, and if he decides to try to move you nine and a half out of ten times it's happening it also speaks to I, I could hear some of the hope and excitement in your voice too Jokic doesn't talk to us about his offseason right the way maybe right. a LeBron would or whatever but right. this is a guy who's thinking about the season picking out specific ways to improve and coming back better. The question of how does Jokic get better, we'll get to it on this show, so I'm not going to step on those toes, but this has become an abstract type of conversation now. <laughs> That's so true. It was once you could point to little elements. <laughs> it's so true. Do you guys remember there was a time when Jokic probably still needed a left hand? In the right. Oh, th I love this. You're right. Yeah, we used to be able to point towards, hey, he could do this or this. Now they really are existential. Now, he was scoring on Draymond with his left in a crowded paint without replacement level teammates on the floor at times. So it's it's that thing where because Jokic doesn't spell it out for us, maybe we forget to attribute it to him. But he's thinking about the season. He's reflecting and he's getting better at important specific parts of the game as his career goes on. Eric, let me rattle this off for you. Rookie season from zero to three feet, 62%. Sophomore, 67. Third year, 67. Fourth year, 69. Fifth year, 70. Nice. Fifth year, 72. Sixth year, or, I'm sorry, fifth year, yeah, 72. Sixth year, 75. Last year, 78. That is a 15% increase uh, at the rim. And that, by the way, is like 3% every year from the start of his career. That's just a steady increase. To me, I look at that. I, I think it's hard to look at that and not see a trend of, wow, this guy has solved how to get to the rim and score. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it's so true. The thing about Nikola Jokic that is not appreciated by people that aren't us or people that in the world of uh, the Nuggets is just exactly what you guys are saying. Like, his combination of power and finesse is 
so underappreciated and so like unrecognized by so many. It's like, because yes, he can like, he will bump his way in and then he will okie dokie with like unbelievable footwork. He will make a fool of your most athletic center. There's yeah. nothing more joyful than watching Jokic go up against a low IQ, high athletic center, like a guy that like, just want like uh, Powell the on best. the Mavericks or uh, DeAndre or George, white the side or the white like, side when he when yeah. he turned around and realized he could just. Do you remember that one where he just? My yes. favorite, my favorite. Mitchell one, Robinson had a good run. Uh, Mitchell <laughs> Robinson. My favorite though is still DeAndre Jordan, like that last year at the Clippers, where he fouled himself out because he was like, "F this, I'm done guarding this. <laughs> I'm gonna go home." It's crazy, but the, the, Nicholas, his strength is the reason he doesn't foul calls talk about this all the time like he is he yeah, is a rhinoceros he is a live oak he is an immovable object and people are allowed to just literally just swing by fours at him all game long yeah. to knock him off and the problem is is it like it doesn't affect him like it would a lesser player like if he was affected by people taking just slapping him like a marcus smart or something where that person that that player would just slide across the floor like they'd been thrown out of a moving car like Jokic just, just like takes it and then you look back and you're like oh cool he's bleeding again uh <laughs> i can't help but notice he's had no foul calls for him this entire game but you know that's probably you know what are you gonna do he's not aggressive it's just like you know I, th that might be the next uh, evolution to his game honestly is just being able to um, look I, without flopping, just like bring more attention. Like he just needs to, he needs to get that like terrible uh, basketball player scream that hey every time you get hit and go hey, uh, and, yeah hey. Eric, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, he has too much respect for the game. Too oh, much I integrity. Like You're so ridiculous. Um, hey. Hey. Let me throw some more at you because we got to keep it moving, man. We're, we're this yoke love. We're just, it's overwhelming. Um, he also shot 60.6% from three to 10 feet, which is that floater zone, which is the best, second best of his career, but best since his sophomore season, which again, he was a different player in his sophomore season, which was the first year where, you know, the, he got the keys to the offense or whatever, but still he was more of a setup guy. This is the first year. It's like, I'm a scorer first and foremost. So for him to have the best season at the rim and second best season, really the best season on volume of his career from three to 10 feet. That's the big difference. And by the way, he took a ton of shots from that zone too. It reminds me vote of LeBron 2013 when LeBron stopped taking threes or whatever. Mm. Yoke this year took the fewest number of 10 to 16 foot mid rangers since his rookie season, basically the same as his rookie season. And he took the fewest numbers of long 16 to three point line, long mid range jumpers, the fewest of his career. He's cut those out. And those he was really good at. He just doesn't take them anymore. He's replaced those with shots at the rim and in the floater zone. To me, this is a player that is figured out where he is best and has found a way to only exist in those spots, which a lot of players know where they're best. It's how do I get volume shots from those spots because everyone else knows that's where I'm best. Doesn't matter. This is the season where Yoke got over the hump where he's like, I know where I'm best from. I get to those spots and nobody can stop me when I'm there. Yeah, that's it. I think getting to those spots too, right? And just sort of... I think Jokic is so good at understanding and playing off of the flow of the game that at times he can do himself a disservice, right, of hijacking that flow and just sort of, I think, him realizing I can force my way to my most effective spots on the floor and just operate out of there all day long. Yeah. Um, 
just I, I think speaks to an advanced understanding of his value as a scorer of the value of each possession. I I mean, we could do this show for two hours and it would be a good show. It's just you're running out of ways to talk about. I mean, offensively, I do think we are rapidly approaching a perfect player. I mean, you could talk about curbing turnovers and three-point shooting. Um, but again, like to this point, okay, the three-point shot, he wasn't feeling it this year. Well, he just cut it out altogether. Right. And there's just there's an advanced understanding right now. I've said this before, but it is it is Neo reading the code out there right now and, and just yeah. seeing ones and zeros. But Wind, I gotta, I'm going to throw this new one to you. So three-point field goal percentage this year, he was only 33.7%. Here's my question to you. Are we sure this was a down year for him from three? It was actually the second highest year of his last four. Mm. It was a career-high attempts. I think we all feel like Yoke was down because it wasn't last year. Last year he had like a really good – he was really good from three. But that was the outlier. This year was actually more in line with his career averages. So this is my question. Is he – more than a 33, 34% three-point shooter. Is that kind of what we should expect from him? I think he is. And this is what I was referring to earlier in the show when I was talking about how he took a step back because of an injury in, in one stat. And I really wonder if the wrist injury that he had early in the season kind of messed up his three-point shooting for the rest of the year. Like his wrist bothered him at times throughout the second half of the season. Mm. Like it did. And if you look at his splits – his first 14 games of the season, it was only 14 games, but up until that wrist injury, he was shooting 41% from three. And if you look at his last yeah. um, 60 games, he shot 32%. So that doesn't tell us that it was definitely the wrist, but I think it definitely had a lot to do with it. And yeah. it definitely hurt him because he obviously didn't trust the three-point shot late in the season. Like, over the second half of the year, he did not want to take threes, where I feel like early in the season, the first month or so, he was pretty confident in his three, shooting 40-plus percent. So I definitely think he's a better three-point shooter than he showed this year. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, the thing about Jokic's shot is that, particularly, like, the further out you go, it's, like, so there's so much motion to it. It's, like, a big, like, slow, like... Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, Catapult. Yeah, not a, not a catapult. What is, what is the other one I'm trying to think of? The uh, whatever. Anyway, um, but there's an just like a lot of no, not an atlatl that helps you throw an ancient spear. No, it's called That's a. Right. Uh, I was trying to figure out what possibly. You I know can... it's the one that it's like they use it in pumpkin uh, chunking. <laughs> uh, whatever. Oh, are you talking matter. about like you wrap it in a net and you pull? Yeah, it and like and it goes yeah. and like swings. Is that not a no, Help catapult is, is a trebuchet. That, Thank you, Steve. Trebuchet. A trebuchet. <laughs> Jokic's three-point shot is more trebuchet-like than his interior <laughs> shot, which is more catapult-like. There's just so much motion involved. He has to raise it up. He has to use a lot more, obviously, like a lot more force with his arms. Um, and there's just like a lot more room for air. I wonder if there's like some way he can streamline that shot, honestly. I, or, I, like, can I tell you something? And this is like this is the dumbest thing we do is give like great players advice. It's like giving Steph Curry advice on how to like. I mean, come on, you can, you can observe things and then and, and I think and share feet, observations. I think Yoke, there's like tweaks he should make to the form of his three point shot because I think yeah. there are things that serve him on the shots he takes the most of inside the rim that don't serve serve him from the farther out you get. And one of those is his feet are relatively close together for a shooter. 
Um, yeah. And I think that he can just get a little bit of a wider base on threes. I wonder, and it'd be an interesting question. I don't know if he'd tell you. I also don't know how much he's going to work on his game this summer. He deserves some time off. I'm sure he'll get back in the lab at some point. But to me, I think changing some aspects of his form on three are in line. He's been a 33% three-point shooter for seven years yeah. now. I think it's worth being like, is this an area that I probably can go to the lab and rework from the ground up a yeah, little you know, bit? He should, you know who he should, he should call is uh, Drew Hanlon. <laughs> lethal shooter can you imagine I think, I think drew hanlon would actually make Jokic a worse offensive player like, <laughs> there's if, no question man like if he got in the lab with drew hanlon he his efficiency would drop what if what if Jokic like trained with drew hanlon all offseason and then he comes back and he's just like diving on the floor and like screaming for fouls and, like, more like, like falling down on every play and stuff. behind the back sidestep jumpers you're like what the hell do you do i mean it looks cool but i mean what are we doing here um anyway just something the three-point shot i'm just not convinced of let's get to the rebounds 13.8 rebounds per game is obviously huge you led the nba in defensive rebound percentage which is like I think an insane thing. People don't realize how impressive that was. He was second in the NBA in overall rebound percentage behind Gobert, but led the NBA in contested rebounds per game at 6.1. Gobert behind him at 5.8. That to me is like when people talk about the rebounding, half of his rebounds are contested, man. They're like 50-50s that he just happens to grab at a higher rate than anyone else in the NBA. Um, and then here's what's crazy. Denver finished 19th in offensive rebound percentage this year. I told you they've been top three all the time. Jokic's offensive rebound rate didn't drop at all. So this is how crazy it is. Yoke stayed the same, and the Nuggets went from third to 19th. That just shows you how different the the team was this year. Um, around rebounding our- is insane to me, guys, because it's the effort and the and the production of a rebounding specialist, right? I mean, it no. is like Gobert is only. I mean, Gobert is an exceptional player, but he's asked to do roughly half of the things Jokic is asked to do. To to be not, you know per game just raw totals no matter how you slice it Jokic is one of the premier rebounders in this league and there have been guys who have played an entire decade-long career in this league only doing that and not doing it at the level that Jokic does um I love this comment here though from Akil who says that MBJ's offensive rebounding is underrated a lot of like players like those types of stats are underrated and when you don't have them, you notice like, holy crap, third yep. to 19th. And so like when we break Michael down as a port, uh, Michael Porter down as a player, that's one of the things that's like, we can't just say the offensive rebounding doesn't mean anything. It actually means a lot and not just his rebounding, but I do think the spacing he provides actually makes it easier for other guys to rebound too. So Michael I, I, Porter has his flaws, but there's some things he just like naturally brings to the table that he doesn't have to perform. He just does them by being on the court. And they yeah. kind of like if you overlap it with Jeff Green, you're just like, oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. But it's it tailed off towards the end of the season. But you talk about how much he was asked to do and was able to do defensively, how much attention was on him. And yet he was still able to be this behemoth in the paint to have anything left in the reserve <laughs> right. to be that dominant of a rebounder. I, I don't understand how he is able to walk by the end of the season i don't get it Actually, we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna get custom to loafers now custom yeah. Loafers. Yeah. different um, man baby i gotta run through the last here and then in the final segment so these are a lot of st- statistical ones but then i want to talk about how he got there and some of the like other aspects of it but lastly the nuggets had a 117 offensive rating with yoke on the court this year last year that was a 120 offensive rating the nuggets were the sixth best offense this year guess what they were last year seventh sixth 
the Nuggets relative like scoring efficiency went down this year. I think who knows why? Maybe some of the new rules. Who knows what? But the Nuggets basically were the same team on offense this year as they were last year, which to me is both exciting, but also I think something that I'm very curious to see if it happens confusing. next year. Well, it's just confusing in that like we're missing our two top players. Yeah, like do they do they not add something, or was Yoke <laughs> so good that he actually elevated them? It's an it's a question that I think. I have a sense of, I think Yoke just got better and like he carried him that way. But it is at least worth asking like, hey, I don't know. They seem to have been the same offensive team as they were last year, even without their second, third offensive player. So take that for what you will. Um, Go ahead. Quick thought on it. Just, but too, I think, predictable or easy to boil down by the end of the season. And so it's not necessarily about like effectiveness as so much as it is harder to game plan for, harder to defend, harder to oh, place great in the point. Yeah. Great point. The Nuggets- also, yeah, also without Jokic, I think they had 105 offensive rating this year. And last year it was even worse. That's insane. Because <laughs> when he was off the floor. That's pretty crazy, man. Um, all right, let's take a break. On the other side, though, I want to hear everybody in the comments now. A super producer yeah, here is going to be marking these for us. What was Jokic's best game this season? What was his best moment? Um, give us some nominations there. We have ours, but we'll talk about that on the other side as well as we kind do? of wrap up some of these thoughts. Well, Eric, I never count on you to do these there. You play off of us on these things. Your Colorado rugby team, the American Raptors, Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. The American Raptors are athletes who have competed at the highest levels of their respective sports. They're former pros in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track and fields. They've all come together to make this all-star American Raptors rugby team. They play at uh, Infinity Park in Glendale. Go to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your free ticket there for the upcoming season. Their game stream at AmericanRaptors.com as well. Also, check out the DNVR Rugby Podcast with Colton Strickler. Hit subscribe on that for all your latest news from the rugby world. Also, let's throw in a DraftKings pick of the week. Let's do it. Got one. Uh, Why not? There. I can't wait to hear what you go with tonight. tonight. We got the Mavs and Suns tonight. Oh, man. Uh, Pick the Suns uh, to win the series in five. Yeah? Do you like the Suns tonight? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I kind of want to take the Mavs tonight. Do it, bro. Wow. Do it. Drafting Sportsbook pick pick of the week, and Harrison's gonna get wild. I'm taking Dallas on the road in game one. Those those game those game one road dogs, you know? We need Mavericks. We need to get a dev lock versus a Harrison pick of the week and see the the statistical comparison. I don't like my chances there, but I like the Mavs tonight. I I like how Harrison's picks of the week are always like not not the best lock he can find, just the most interesting game. I mean, if it's I all... really wanted to make a pick of the league, it, it'd be the Heat over the 76ers tonight. But I mean, well, there the, it is. The, 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 odds the, the odds suck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, the Timberwolves should have won that game, Christian. They should have. The, the pick <laughs> of the week is no place for a, for a heart-based uh, gambling <laughs> outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Harrison's own gambling show. We could bring us back here. You hear Harrison's own gambling show that it's like it has nothing to do with winning or losing. It's just who does he hate the most? Like, all right. I love it. It's like, what what game do you really want to watch tonight and have money riding? Yeah. Like, that's what this I'm, is the, like yeah, the, that's fallacy or just the, the trap you could fall into with sports bet where you think that you can 
buy the outcome you're looking for by paying it. I love it. I, it's, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. How do you guys feel about this little side note? I'm watching, you know, Warriors Grizzlies yesterday. I can't believe how hard I'm pulling for Warriors. And I know everybody has a different perspective on this. Some people are like, they beat us, so F them. I'm like, look, I want the Warriors to not lose a game in the playoffs. Not to be the only team to win. <laughs> to me, it's like elevates Denver and what they did. So this is my thing. I was I was a little frustrated when I thought when Draymond got thrown out, I'm like, oh God, they might lose. But then when they win anyway, I'm like, hell yeah, I hope they sweep them. Makes Denver look so much better. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. It would be a shorter series than a lot of people think. Like Memphis I, had to get that game last night. I agree with that one. I, people, yeah, people are like, "Oh, look, Golden State escaped." I'm like, "False." They took Game One on the road, and Draymond got ejected. <laughs> Yo, if they win the next one, which like they should be favored in, if they win and they get to go back home for two games, that's like different from Denver. They had they won two at home and then had to go on the road. You get two on the road and you have two games at Chase. Like, come on, man. Yeah, um, I, 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 nothing in me. I'm rooting for nothing more than the Warriors to not lose another game in the playoffs, win so the championship, <laughs> and then it's just like, well, what are you gonna do? It's the championship, goddamn Warriors. Like, I mean, man, the Nuggets were three games away from the championship, man. Without this, <laughs> it should be great. Um, man, vote really got down somehow. Like after the first segment, just really, really sad over here. I think I've got resting bitch face, man. I'm sitting here. Dude, you totally have RBF. And you're sitting in a darkened room. Like you seem like very emo right now. And you're wearing like a skater. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I think it's a good skater cut though. It does make him look though. Like a middle. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not critiquing the look. I'm just saying like you're, you're picking up what's being put down, which is a uh, a guy wearing a, a beanie vote wearing vote. in a darkened room. <laughs> I'm way too insecure to have this job. It was not on the <laughs> We got to keep it moving. All right, best game of the year. I'll go first because I have the right answer. It was the Clippers game. I'm telling That's you. It's the wrong me. answer. Okay. <laughs> I love this. To me, the Clippers win in OT where Yoke scored like 30 points over the final 10 minutes of that game. To me, that stretch that he played was probably not just the greatest stretch of his career. I think it was as good as a player can play over a 10 or 15, whatever it was, 15-minute stretch. I, you've, We've only seen players reach that level. We've never seen him surpass it. To me, it was incredible. He did a little bit of everything. And the best of all, it had a very memorable conclusion, which was the skip pass to Aaron Gordon in the corner, basically at the buzzer. It was just a perfect run with a perfect ending. That's exactly the right answer. That's exactly that. That was the game we saw Jokic go ISO. We saw Jokic clear people out at the top of the goddamn key and then just go to town unstoppable. That was the most hyped I've ever been for a Jokic performance. I was losing my mind because I thought this was opening up the new era of just bully ball Jokic, which it did and it didn't. But like, I was like, holy, that's, I mean, please, that's it. There was also this element, right, of the Clippers had figured out how to defend that iteration of Denver, particularly just post Jokic up and try to get him the ball and and hope he does his thing. And we were seeing the give and take of when your best player is a center and, and how teams can prepare for that without a league guard play. And Jokic yeah. said, F yeah. all of that. I'm just going to start Euro stomping through the lane. I don't care how many people are in my way. And the Euro stomp was just like full rampage video game, like Godzilla knocking down buildings. 
I love the Euro stomp when it finishes with him shooting it off the backboard and like the, it's like the easiest little mic and drill layup and it's so funny because it's like you just made a hard move through traffic and you finished it with the most disrespectful style of layup you could possibly do. All right, Wind, what, where, where did we all go wrong? So that was number two on my list. Number one on my list was the overtime win against the Pelicans. Um, this was as dominant as I've ever seen Jokic in his career. And if you remember back to that game, the Nuggets were down or, or they were up by 21. Then they blew a 21-point lead. This was actually then, the tipping scale for me. Then Jokic scored 30 of his 46 in the fourth quarter in overtime to beat the Pelicans. It's insane, man. Also on that night, Michael Malone was ejected from the game in the third quarter while the Nuggets were just unraveling. But if I think about just this season, and this season for me is just defined by dominance, like how dominant Jokic was every single night. That game, I know he scored 49 in the Clippers game. He had 46 in this game, but... I've never seen just a stretch of a game where he's been more dominant in his career. So Adelman brought him back in 11 minutes. That was the difference. Adelman, remember he brought him back like right into the fourth quarter. It was like, go ahead and do your thing. And he, you're right. He just carried him back play by play. And he had that look in his eye of like, let me see if I can do this. I'm curious how I can do it. That game's a worthy one. The other candidates I would give games three, four, and five of this playoffs to me were honestly like, I know the numbers aren't quite as eye-popping as those two games were, but when you factor in just the stakes, the fact that you're going up against the greatest defender of a generation and the whole team's keyed in on you and all of those things, the way he dominated three, four, and five individually was like, by game five, I just felt like he was casually dominating Draymond Green. Like just, it wasn't that Draymond was doing everything he could and some of the plays, you know, fake, reverse, and it was like, you're not even close, man. And I just... He reached a level to me where I was like, holy hell. Here's what it is. And I to put, I know we've kind of put a button on that series already. We forget what locked in Jokic is. Like Jokic in a regular season is a great player. And he locks in sometimes like these two games, the fourth quarter and overtime, he locked in for those moments. I feel like Yoke locked into that series by game three to where it's like, what does it look like when he is 100% focused on basketball? And turns out it's that even Draymond Green is hopeless against him. Strong agree. I'm going to go with win, though. I had the same one, too, that Pelicans game to me. The other thing, too, was it was on the defensive side as well in that fourth quarter and overtime yeah, period. Four blocks and three steals in that game. Yep. He almost put up the five to, five by five, you know, with the first three being 46, 12, and 11, just some casual light work. But Wind hit the nail on the head, which is if, as we all were, when you're watching that game at that 11-minute mark, that game could not feel less winnable. It just couldn't. And I know it's just the Pelicans or whatever, but a pesky team all year. And also, I know I'm not, this team was nowhere near that level, but growing up on LeBron, you hear all the Jordan myths every single day, right? And you hear about those games throughout the regular season that your team just should drop for whatever reason, but Jordan wouldn't let them. Jordan right. just refused to lose. And that to me was the Pelicans game for Jokic of just. There's like a, a 2% win expectancy here, and I am not letting it play out that way. And the, just the yeah. utter refusal to resign to what felt like reality, it was this, um, it was just this where you shake your head and you go, even us four, even us four are po- possibly underrating this fellow. 
<laughs> so no chance. if we go here, yeah, I know. Wait, here, I, go, I, have, I have a sneak, I have a sneaky okay. nomination, a sneaky nomination that I don't, that, that takes, requires all things considered to considered being the top game, which is the game that they, they played against the Philadelphia 76ers where they beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And I believe that that was the game that flipped the MVP race in his favor. It did, for sure. Um, and it was because he played such a complete game and people, like, this is what required, like, the, it, the raw numbers, all things considered, like, it wasn't just his best game, but, like, the fact that all eyes were on him, it was billed as basically MVP candidate versus MVP candidate, and he came out on the better end, even having scored fewer points because people who didn't who don't watch him were able to see like that skip pass he made um the, oh, in, and by the uh, end of it, people were like he has the better supporting cast <laughs> it's like yes <laughs> yes bones highland came out again yeah as as the the, the yeah. reason that he but the, like to me there was that game outside of the playoffs had the most anticipation and had the most eyes on it and had the most weight associated with it and he came out looking incredible and literally in my mind won the mvp that night i it's honestly is a good one i just can't give it best game but it was okay I, well screw I, you all the reasons you said um <laughs> go to the chat here we got clippers uh somebody has we got clippers in new orleans which of course again was we went to headband Jokic. i can't believe headband Jokic wasn't one well that's and, coming oh, yeah, up next hell? i think that's coming next uh, can i tell you that was the only game i didn't watch this entire year and i like, the, the, just <laughs> I was and able to monitor actually, You don't even know, Eric. This was actually tailor-made for you because while those I other know. Two, the, while those other two games were maybe more impressive from like what happened, that game was more iconic in the way that it went down. Like, yo, I know. He has to put it on his head, and all of a sudden he's transformed. By the way, we haven't talked enough about how great headband Jokic. It was so great in particular because it's the one and only time they decided to go with red accessories on white uniforms. Oh my so God! He, he had a headband on the exact game when it was most ri ridiculous to have. Looks like freaking Rudolph out there. God damn it! I hate that you brought up headband Jokic game. Of course, that's probably the right answer. Hey, I don't know. Headband Jokic, Eric, is the next category, which is best moment. And well, the right. best we moment of the season when he put on the is headband. when. Is no, it's when Jokic became the first player in NBA history with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. Oh, in that's a red right. headband. That was the game. Was that what an yes. iconic moment? Holy that was hell. the best moment of the yeah, season. Here, can you take me out of here? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Eric freaking missed it for a day. Like to it's do incredible. that, to accomplish that while wearing a red headband is yeah. is is up there with uh, you know the great feats of our. Exists. <laughs> Somebody in here also has Jokic to Monte against Golden State. Reminds me a lot of the the Clippers game, but he had a better game against the Clippers in that one. So I'm gonna have to go there. The what Toronto block, the no shortage of block shots. Yeah, um, that one was really huge. I see that in here. Um, here's an interesting one I've seen a few times. The Miami game triple double and fight. Now here's the thing about this. I don't want to relitigate the fight or do you know do wasn't a fight. Well. <laughs> The Miami game, the thing about it was Miami is the number one seed in the East. They're one of the best teams, been one of the best teams all year. Jokic dominated that game. Dominated. The, the stats maybe weren't up there with the other games, dominated. but there was no less. Like that game, as much as anyone was like, yeah, that's the best player on the court, and that Miami Heat team is like hopeless against them. And by the way, it happened twice against them. But Bam Adebayo, good defender, whatever, didn't matter. Yoke so thoroughly dominated that Markeith Morris tried to get a little dirty with him. Yoke obviously got dirty back. The rest is history. But that game is honestly a great nomination um, 
just because it was so incredible. If you ask any buddy that's not a nuggets fan what their top memory of Jokic was this season it was <laughs> that game and the thing with markeith morris and somebody says, says miami street cred boost this is one of the things like i look it's weird to talk about because yoke like again i don't want to sit here and glorify him hurting markeith the way he did it's like uncomfortable now some of the like details of this or that but what i will say is there is something to Jokic. that moment in my opinion solidified Jokic as do not mess with this guy. And we have these players throughout history where we're like, man, I don't know. One guy tested him one time and he broke his orbital bone. Like back in the 80s, we glorified this shit, right? We were like, how, how awesome is this? I know we don't do that anymore. But that game to me tilted things in the favor where people were like, you know what? Yoke's a real one. And by the way, not just that one, but he got hurt shortly after. When did he return? At Miami. Just like, yep. F you. I'm not afraid. What do you think? I'm coming. I could take this game off. No one would say anything. But no, I'm coming back at Miami. By the way, dominated again and got the W. Joke around and find out, baby. Joke around Look, and find whip, out. Whiplash is terrifying. And the part where he was actually hurt, I'm not like, I have no yeah. interest in glorifying right. that or any and any of it. That's my moment of the year for Jokic. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to go the petty route. I think right. you just talked about it. I, I'll say this. It was the moment in the year when I realized the way people were seeing and talking about Jokic had changed forever. It yeah. was when I realized maybe it won't be on our level, but this guy is is in that club now. And you're right. I mean, look, we've all heard those stories of all the great legend. You didn't have to be a tough guy to have a, a legendary scrap under your belt. And I'm not advocating for that version of the NBA. But my point is the way Jokic did that and the conversation the next day was only about how you shouldn't mess with this guy. Right. Only about right. that. And I do think... To me, look, the injury I'm not, I don't love, but the part where people realized, look, this guy's not sweet like that. And this right, is a dude right. we have to worry about in more ways than one. I kind of think it's his defining moment of the year. That it's is like the moment when the like the aristocracy of former NBA players started respecting him. Yes. I like the Isaiah Thomases of the world. Like they were fans <laughs> of him before then, but at that moment, they're like, all right, this is this is a real dude right here. We all remember when he got in Jay Crowder's face years back and Jay Crowder backed down. We all remember when Devin Booker tried to get in his face and, and you know, just like big boyed him. Like he has these moments that I think people kind of have known. But you're right. That, that was one. And it was also like Jimmy Butler freaking uh Udonis Haslam those guys coming out afterwards and being like hey man I you know I like yoke <laughs> like just think about how weird <laughs> that is that these guys were like you know I don't know like parts of it I don't like but I get it like that's just yeah, the man. craziest thing like he you're right yeah. the street red um like, we got to keep moving Eric so another one here I love that somebody brought up and be dropping 50 and then Jokic having that 49 point almost triple yeah. double was like a, another really really good one because it was, it, I just remember that game was like Embiid's stats were so crazy, and you're like, look, there it is. And then Yoke, two hours later, just put up an even better line, and you're like, wow. Oh. You know what's a, an underrated game slash moment of the year for him too? Harrison Wind tweeted Nikola Jokic with Hall of Fame harness racer Tim Tetrick in the winner's circle at Meadowlands Racetrack back in December. Then side by side with the picture of Jokic wrapping Tim Tetrick gear on national TV, 38, <laughs> yeah. 18 and six on the Lakers. That's my most Jokic moment. That is the most year. Jokic moment. Not sure Tim Tetrick ever envisioned seeing his gear repped in the hallway walk on ABC yeah. basketball. I mean, if you're not team Tetrick, like you're nothing. Like, come on. <laughs> I hate to admit this one. Jokic pass versus Spurs. 
help me out here. Which one was this? It was the the slider. It's the one where the one he throws like a slid. slider into the corner. Yeah, yeah he curved the bullet like in that movie Wanted. You know, curved it yeah. around. Yeah. Are you talking about the pa- straight pass? The straight pass? I'm gonna have to go back because I thought that was last it's a, year. It's a slinger. It went across the entire the window across to the corner, oh. but it's it's a slider. Like it moved. and it like almost hit Derek White in the head. Yeah. Back when I Derek thought that White was, was last year. Yeah, I could be wrong. This year was just so. No, long, it was it was this year. It was he was wow. like posting up Pirtle and like. Man, it's crazy that was this year. I could have swore that was last year. Uh, and then we have Ben Hawk here. says, early OT Probably win in New Orleans, 39-11-11. They just, a lot of the Sambor shuffle he missed in regulation, but ends up winning it. Um, no shortage of great games from Yoki. We could, we could do this game all all day long. Um, let me, a couple other ones here. What changed for him this season? To me, this is the most important thing. It, we talked about the scoring numbers. I honestly believe the scoring mentality changed. Yoki's famous line, pass, assist makes two people happy. Uh, scoring makes one person happy. I think Jokic's philosophy on that has shifted a little. I think this is the year Jokic enjoyed scoring. I think now it's like assist <laughs> makes two people happy. Scoring makes me really happy. No, happy for like, at nah. least two people's worth. He's like, he's scoring makes one person no. happy. Missing the shot after a perfect assist makes two people angry. <laughs> it makes I, him happy. Scoring only makes him happy because... He's winning games. Like, I don't that's know. The only- I don't know, Harrison. Like, I genuinely don't. This is the thing. That's why I wanted to bring up this topic. He had the comment where he had the assist to the corner to Will Barton, and he was asked about it. He's like, well, I wanted to shoot it, but they doubled so hard I had to pass. And he had a couple of those. Like, earlier in the year, he was asked game-winning assist or game-winning shot. And he's like, I would rather have game-winning shot. I don't think he says this two years ago. I think this is a two-year transformation in him where he's gone from a passer and playmaker who can score at a high level to a guy who – his scoring might be his best trait. I know that's crazy, but his scoring is now on par with his passing and that it's like he is as good of a scorer as he is a passer. And I think going forward, it's the biggest question next year. I see a lot of people he's going to average a triple-double, maybe. I think there's a there's a chance next year he comes out and just averages 30 points per game because he's like, you know what? Passing comes naturally. I don't have to think about it. Scoring, if I just do it every time, I end up getting 10 assists anyway because I'm triple-teamed too often. So I, I don't know. I, I, to me, tell me if I'm right. Harrison's disagreeing it. But what do you guys think about it? Did it flip where he enjoys scoring more than you ever expected? I don't think I don't know if he necessarily enjoys it more, but I kind of agree with the point about it getting to that level in terms of how effective he is with it. And I, I kind of think one of the big things Jokic learned this year when was if they're not doubling or if that's a mismatch, I just have to go like I just have right. to, to make them make them feel that. And there's a there's a chance that getting his other guys back actually um, highlights that, right? I mean, like, it, it, shouldn't he just have easier matchups? Shouldn't there just be less help? And is it possible that what those five on the floor calls for is just Jokic scoring more? Yeah, I, I don't think he enjoys it more. What I think it is is Jokic's goal every single night is to do what he needs to do at the highest level to win the game. And yeah. this season, he realized that scoring more is what he needs to do to win as many games as possible. I, I think that's that's the difference here. It, he, that, going to his scoring, a lot of this is necessity. Last year, he had 17 games under 20 points. He had some higher peaks, but he had lower, like more consistently lower games. This year, he had eight. And let me run through some of those. Uh, he had eight points in a 32-point win against Portland. 
He had 11 yeah. points in a 31-point win against Dallas. He had 17 points in a 37-point win against the Lakers. He had an 18-point uh, game in a, in a five-point win. He had a couple losses in there, but most of those low-scoring totals, more than half of them, came in 30-point blowouts. Like, to me, this is the biggest difference is he didn't have bad scoring games. Like, this year, he got 20 basically whenever he wanted, and then it was just up from there. I, I To me... Next year, I don't think he's going to average 30. I think it's going to be 26 or 27. But I don't expect to drop off because I do think he's gotten to a point where he's so good at scoring. And why wouldn't you press the envelope every single time when you're as good as he is at scoring it? And the past, I just think Yoka always makes the right play. And next year, the right play is going to be for him to be as aggressive as he was this year because it's going to put even more pressure on teams right. to double off of him. Right. Make so, them double when they absolutely do not want to. Force yeah. them. He's going to be so dominant that people are running off of MPJ to stop Yoke in the post. And it's right. like, wow, you're going to leave open a 50% corner three-point shooter. Um, so his, where where did he show the most improvement aggression? I, conditioning, you mentioned this a few times. Yoke, part of why he was able to do this is this was the best condition season he's ever had. And I think that's the most underrated part of it is he was so good at just keeping going. This is another part of that tough, tough guy or whatever it was Draymond said. Um, I always come back to Harrison, your interview with Dayon this year was so interesting because when he was asked, when you asked him how Yoke can get better, he said, reading the game, he's like, believe it or not, he can actually get better. This is a season where I think he actually got better at that by a meaningful amount oh, reading, yeah. reading the game. And the beautiful thing about getting better at reading the game is like there's no limit to how good you can get at reading the game. You can always read the game better and better and better. And like Yoke reads the game at such a high level that it's oh my God. it's it's, it's tough know. to just think about what it would look like when he's reading the game like 20% better than he is now, considering he already like breaks basketball on a nightly basis. Um, but that that's really where I think his biggest improvement to me was maybe outside of just his aggression game in game out. It's like dominating just every single aspect of the yeah. flow of a game. He did that at a level this season that I, I can't remember ever seeing another player do. I, I, I mean, I really don't since at least I've been covering the NBA. So when we get into what should we expect from him next year, part of why I think his scoring will stay the same or maybe improve his two highest scoring months this season, March and April. He became a better scorer as the season went on. In fact, you can track that month by month and see a little bit of an improvement month over month. I just think he scoring became elite. Like he had to do it, and now he's elite at it. You love doing things that you are elite at. He has been an elite passer since his rookie season. He has not been an elite sc volume scorer until recently, and he has been better at that over the last three months of his career than he was at any other point. I just I th I think it's an added weapon that it's like, of course, I'm going to play with this toy I have. I can score on anyone. Why wouldn't I score on everyone? So next year, I expect the same thing. Here's the last thing I'll say, though. I think the Nuggets were so heliocentric, meaning they everything revolved around him this year to an incredible degree. And I think it's the best option every single time down court to play through. It's not the best option in a playoffs when teams start to try to take things away. One of the challenges next year is going to be how do we play through Michael Porter a little bit more, even though it's a worse option than playing through Jokic, but that way we have it in our arsenal and that it's 10% better yeah. in April than it was in November. That's going to be a real challenge. Some of this with Jamal Murray, they already do because he respects Jamal Murray and Jamal Murray's earned it and done it at the highest levels. But next year, I think the Nuggets have to become less 
play through Jokic less, even though it would be smarter in the regular season to play through him every time. It's like in football when you try to mix in the run. Like nobody actually wants to run. Everybody just wants to pass every single time. But you've got to run the ball just to like make the defense think there's a small right. chance it might be coming. Like right. you want to you want to pass every time just like you want to play through Jokic every time, but you got to mix it up a little. Uh, this also plays into my answer for one of the ways he can improve next season. Don't laugh at me, but how about being an even not better, even better teammate? And for me, part of it will be Porter. Um, so true. But just so particularly, true. he's entitled to this, what I'm about to describe, by the way. But the body language, the throwing his hands in the air, the visible, so palpable frustration, yep. can that be replaced with? Now, again, I don't know what it's like to work with Porter day to day, but can that be replaced with constructive dialogue, showing him? explaining some things you know what's on my short list for nuggets fan fiction that'll never happen what if porter and gordon went to serbia for a month this <laughs> summer and they just watched film together they just watched film together what if they went for 10 days uh, they just watched August. film together do you know what i mean and that, I'm, I'm serious though this and is the ultimate fan <laughs> it'll never ever 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 happen but do you know what i mean if Jokic yeah. could replace the visible frustration with whatever him imparting his wisdom looks like um, Jokic has only be... ever gotten one player to Serbia. Just one guy. Gary Harris. Gary. I know, it's so sad. I will say, though, and I'm curious what you think about this, Eric, but, I mean, Kobe Bryant, let's rewind to 2001, 2002, 2003. Kobe, one of the best players in the NBA already, easily. Freaking did not understand why he had to be nice to his teammates. Then it got worse in 2005, 6, 7 when his teammates sucked. And, like, he became – he. And he was like, why do I need to bring this dude along? Like, he needs to be with it or not. And there's some truth to that. Like, this is the Michael Jordan, like, you push everyone, and if they're not with it, get them out of your team, get them off, like, whatever. But there's this other part where Jokic's challenge, in part, is to get Michael Porter up to snuff. And he said, like, after the season, Jokic was asked, like, we, have, we can win a championship if we play together. Well, guess what? Part of getting everyone to play together is the team's best player demanding it in a way that is – that figures it out the way like his challenge now it's his least favorite challenge you could possibly present him he, like he would rather learn how to shoot left-handed three-pointers than he would have to like i have to teach michael porter the wisdom of like how to do this properly but guess what to win he has to do it so to me it's a great one harrison it's still a, on the list but eric what do you think about oh, that well so the, the difference between like a kobe bryant game and a michael jordan game is that uh what are we laughing at? I just, I that, yeah. that, that, that point was all votes, but I got the credit for it. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. No idea. Cool, cool. Uh, but the point is, is like the, Jokic's and Kobe's and Michael Jordan's game cannot really be compared because Jokic is, is much more of a complimentary player. Like for him to get the most out of his game, he needs to have everybody sort of walking in lockstep and not not from a fear standpoint like kobe and michael were just like get the fuck out of the way like i'm just gonna do this like they would complete like just go into straight iso mode like they would and Jokic is never gonna do that so it makes a million percent more sense for Jokic to approach this in a way that is building his uh cohorts up as opposed to just like getting them scared and falling in line um so it's just like it, it, it I agree. Like Jokic just needs, I mean, it, it, it's funny too, because you're just talking about 
you know, the egos of NBA basketball players that you don't necessarily want to have to think about because, like, yo, you guys, like, you're competing at the highest level. You shouldn't need to be motivated. You shouldn't need to be, it shouldn't need to be explained to you how to play complimentary basketball and, and winning basketball. But unfortunately, these are also like children, oftentimes. Like, Michael Porter Jr. is still, like, definitely in a place where he needs guidance in life. Like, he definitely needs, like, a strong presence in this aspect of his life. And so does Jamal Murray was showing us the same thing, too. Like, just yeah. bad decisions, just childish uh ways about approaching work and like work ethic and all of this stuff Jokic, it would be amazing for Jokic to sort of just step up be that guy be that beacon of not only professionalism but uh also playing the game in the right way like being mental about it like i don't think you can impart that on guys necessarily i don't know if i mean i know that you can like teach them to sort of see at least like what he is seeing, but it, Jokic, I, I think Jokic's IQ is much like Michael Jordan's skill level where he doesn't understand why other people aren't as good as he is. So he like can't get people to play as well as he, as he did. Cause it's fucking impossible. This is exactly what Eric's saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like this comment though. We need a CP three type of veteran to do that. You guys, what's funny about this is Chris Paul has obviously had that impact in Phoenix, and it's worked out really well. I don't know if it's because he's grown as a leader or if it's because he has a group that's capable of handling it. You guys realize CP3 has exhausted his stay everywhere he's gone. I mean, the yep. Clippers, like, like he wore on them because he is so demanding and he can be so, like, just annoying as a leader that over time, like, has a bump, and then over time people tune him out. Maybe it happens in Phoenix. If they don't win this year, guys are like, dude, DeAndre. <clears throat> Yeah, DeAndre Aiden, maybe. But those guys have like handled it really well, and maybe it works. But so for Yoke, I, rather than say they need a CP3 type guy, of course, if you can get one, but there's not CP3s don't grow on trees. That, that's that's my thing with this argument always. It's like, okay, name me the other CP3 type right. of guy. Well, I will say like CJ McCollum is not a skill that Denver needs. They don't need CJ McCollum. But one thing that I know he brought like to New Orleans. Holiday. But one thing CJ brought to New Orleans was that leadership and, and the communication stuff. And like, so there are these types of players out there hidden in plain sight. But my point is, rather than go spend money on finding this guy, Yoke can grow into this. And, and just like CP3 has gotten better, Yoke can get better at this to just a level that will help him get through to Michael Porter, who's like the biggest wild card of the Nuggets 2023 season um, by a mile. All right, let's hit these last super chats here that came in before we get out of here. Um, Philip says, thanks y'all for covering the Nuggets this season. Let's bring Mello back for next season. Oh, um, I was so in on half of that super chat. <laughs> uh, here's what's funny, man, about that. Like, there's a sentimentality to me where I'm like, look, I want the Nuggets and Mello to be reunited emotionally. Like, I, I've said this all the time. Booing Mello does not mean we hate him forever. Like, I, I, it's not that I hate him. I just root against him until he's done. Like, I just, when he's done, like, we'll embrace him back again. But he left Denver. He didn't want to be a part of Denver. We don't, I don't want to be a part of him until it's over. And then we can get back together and hug it out and retire his jersey or whatever we, it is we end up doing. Bringing him back, he has no usefulness on the Denver Nuggets roster. None whatsoever. So if he really, back, oh, he has come on, man. He can't guard a chair. He's a volume chucker. Like I, Jeff Green, dude. Yeah, I don't think Denver has a use for him on their roster. I think it could, and he's also at a point in his career where he's still playing real minutes. I, if he wants to come back on the Jared Dudley role, his final year, where it's like, hey, you're making a vet minimum, you're not going to play. Understand, you are not going to play for this team. Then I would take it. But if you come back with a like, hey, man, I just got eight, nine shots a game for the Lakers. Like, I can still do it. Look at what I'm shooting. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Denver does not need that. Uh, I don't on... think they need it. All I'm saying is he would have been their best scorer off the bench this year. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
We I have mean, am I wrong? <laughs> keeping it real about mortgage. I love the name. One dollar. He's keeping That's it so cool. real about the Holy smokes, It's dude. about time, too, because I a lot of people are ready to to keep it about mortgages, but they're not, not ready real, to though. keep it real. They're not keeping it real about mortgages like no, this no, guy no. is. Uh, oh, Can't wait, no. keeping it real about mortgage oh. came back. We got another one. He says, yay, Super Chat works for me now. Hell yeah. Been trying to send you guys some cheddar all year. Thanks for all that you do. Dude. Hey, keeping it real about mortgage, you're a guy. Keeping it real about love. Keeping it real about respect. <laughs> keeping it real about the nuggets, dude. Dylan Smith, great name, says, I hope we can get Defensive Player of the Year Marcus Smart on our team this year. Two times MVP feels bit, Jokic feels so good. Look, Marcus Smart is like the best of the mold that Denver needs, so I don't know that it's realistic to expect them to get him. But, um, you know, maybe they could find a Marcus Smart. I mean, I think that's your best hope. They Jaden Springer. They could draft a Jaden Springer. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I love that all we can do is, like, as a fan base, just hope to get postseason awards. As our, like, Hell, okay. yeah. I would we get just get... of the year, and then we could get the <laughs> of the year. The We're like, do you want to win a championship? Or oh, Okay, whatever. <laughs> Jose says, any chance Rivers becomes the starting shooting guard 3 and D? Yes. I don't think it's going to happen, but yes. Honestly, like, <laughs> what's funny is you don't, Denver has enough talent that they don't need a hyper talented guy. They need a very focused guy. Austin Rivers that could be that guy. So could he be? Yes. I don't anticipate he will. But look, man, he could be. Could be. You don't see it, Wind. The starter. Probably he not. Was- I mean, I just think. Look, I, I've been thinking about this a lot when just uh, thinking about the Nuggets' need for perimeter defense, like. A team like the Nuggets, I just don't think they can be relying on Austin Rivers as their top perimeter defensive option. Like, If you do this, let me tell you this lineup. So if you have Murray, Rivers, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, where are you at offensively? If they were sixth this year, what is that team next year? Where do they rank? First. And where do they rank defensively? I mean, probably worse than this year. Maybe worse than this really? year. I don't think so. With Murray and Rivers? I don't think people are talking about how bad Jamal Murray and Michael Porter are going to be defensively for most of next season. Like that's a concern for sure. I think Porter brings some stuff defensively again, by virtue of just who he is that, that help out. I don't know. I I think Murray Murray's going to come in in fantastic shape. Well, he disagrees with you. He he seems to think it's going to take some time for him to ramp up. Uh, I think we got some back, time, baby. Then your backups, if you have Monte and Bones, maybe it's Davon Reed at the three, Zeke Naji at the four, DeBarcus Cousins at the five. That's a pretty good ten man rotation to me. And you could play, you could close with Bones if you want to, or you can close with Monte if you want to. You could close with Davon if you wanted to. Like you have some flexibility there positionally, so. It's not the worst. I do think, look, I hope that Denver could get a Josh Hart level pe- player. Like, I still would be all in on that, but something short of that. Austin Rivers is good, man. So, Austin all right. Rivers is good. Can you believe it? First day of the offseason, we went 22 minutes long. <laughs> well, we're talking what, about you. What are we doing? We, we were talking about Jokic. We were talking yeah, about Jokic. We're, we're talking about, about, about the top human, man. I could have gone for I have, I have one final uh, area where Jokic really improved this season his, his clothing. Oh, man. Like, what can Jokic do for an encore drip-wise next season? Like, that is is a hot storyline heading into the summer. He can have his own, like, signature line of menswear, like suits and things that are cut just specific to his specifics. Uh, Get that Jokic logo on everything. He needs to trademark the suit that's, like, for comfort. 
Like he needs to come yeah, up with yeah. a suit. Yeah, yeah, the drawstring best. suit. Yeah, like <laughs> he needs to own that. I think uh, what if this is the slow evolution to Jokic wearing like Russell Westbrook outfits? <laughs> like this was the gap year that we're like, how cool. But the next year it's just crazy stuff. And we're like, wow. So you're, what you're saying is you, you're afraid that Jokic is going to get kicked in the head in the offseason by one of his horses. <laughs> hey, there, in all seriousness, though, Eric, you make this point. It's a little tongue in cheek, but you're also serious about how like Jokic his like grooming habits match sometimes his like emotional state. I do it's wonder not if a joke. A, well, I wonder if there is a, a sort of maturation to Jokic. Like he wears the suit because he means business. He did talk about different man was a joke, but it's also him saying like, Hey man, I'm growing up a bit. Maybe this that's, is a, that's super real. I mean, look, we, Dude. we, we, every of it media availability, right. For most of his career. And it's, we, we've talked about that a lot this year. He is less and less, joker the joker right the the goofball the sort of maybe dwight howard kind of just like oh i'm just here for the ride having jokes having fun he's less of that guy every day i feel personally like i am asking questions of a more serious business first individual who is reflective on his responsibilities as the most important member of an organization and here is a take that i hate for myself and i can't believe i'm going to say it perfect way to close the show what about being a father too? I mean, is there going to yeah. be an increased sense of just responsibility, next stage of life? What's the man I want to be? Who is the man I want to be? Well, of course. I like of it. Course. Of course. Of course. Yeah, quickly. That's not a joke at all. Like when there's like, you know what it's like when you're like, you're like not feeling great. You're like letting your hair grow out. Like you're so true. Your beard gets crummy. And then you're like, bro i gotta like i I gotta step in get a haircut like you feel like you're shedding depression and like you're you know striding forward confidently you dress for the job that you want you dress you know like he wants to be like the top dog there's something about like commanding respect through presentation which is um silly but it's a million percent the case and he already earns that on the court and there's something about what he just like shows up and it's like he's impeccable like his hair you know there's nothing you can point at and be like man this guy looks ridiculous or you know that does it for today guys we got to get out of here hour and a half on Jokic. you know you loved every second of it i loved every second part two tomorrow part (laughs) two of nikola Jokic. no i think who do we have on the docket for tomorrow you guys remember it looks like monte morris can't wait to get into mr nugget tomorrow hit that like button on the way out guys we'll see you tomorrow